This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, July 8th. I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, county amends land use code for first responder and essential worker housing, regional broadband project pushes forward, the tandem journeys of Susan Keys, and a mountain weather forecast. The San Miguel Board of County Commissioners has approved a land use code change to allow housing for first responders and essential personnel in the park and public zone districts. The reality is that many of our first responders and essential personnel are actually commuting from a very long distance and uh, it's impacting everybody's ability to hire people and to properly staff and to properly respond you know, whenever uh, things arise. That's County Planning Director Kay Simonson briefing the BOCC earlier this week. The public zone district already allows for housing for people employed on site with one-step planning commission review. This land use code change expands that to include essential personnel and first responders and adds the same uses to the park zone district. But Simonson stresses the amendment doesn't create housing right away. This just makes it possible for us to look at options and opportunities. She adds the amendment specifies the employee affordable housing would be accessory. So this is not intended to be the principal use of property. Uh, It is still intended to uh, primarily be the park or the public use, and it's not intended to be large-scale wholesale. I would envision that this is be a, a unit or two at most on each of these. Commissioner Hillary Cooper notes she's also heard from communities who have had a hard time finding housing for essential personnel who come in to respond to disasters like fires or floods. This would go through, as all of our applications do, of appropriate planning process, and we would have to consider the appropriate use and, of course, the infrastructure at the time of the application, but this at least allows us to consider it. While right now it's, uh, it prevents us from really being flexible to serve that population. The amendment did not pass without objection. All the public comment at this week's meeting was against the change. Pam Bennett says the region has been, quote, irresponsible with its long-term planning vision. What you're proposing to rezone property that has been specifically set aside for community enjoyment. Housing should be located in already zoned housing areas. Scott Bennett says the land use code change is a, quote, knee-jerk reaction. I know that, yes, we have a housing challenge right now. We have for the last 50 years. Let's not make bad choices to try and infill and fix issues because it's not fixing them. Let's do an overall plan and get back to our master plan for the whole entire county instead of doing these piecemeal efforts. The commissioners ultimately passed the land use code change, allowing housing for first responders and essential personnel in the park and public use zone districts in a unanimous 3-0 vote. San Miguel County is one step closer to having access to more reliable high-speed internet as the area pushes forward on a long-running project to expand broadband connections via fiber optic cable. We know that that's going to be the future of internet connectivity and folks' ability to work 
or go to school reliably. That's County Manager Mike Bordonia. Fiber, he explains, is the, quote, gold standard of high-speed internet. Though there is other forms of equipment that can deliver high-speed internet, um, nothing can basically deliver as quick of an internet as fiber optic cable. Several years ago, as Bordonia explains it, the county and the Telluride Foundation began collaborating to bring fiber redundancy to Norwood and the Telluride region. So that means fiber that has at least two paths connecting a community. So we all know that right now CenturyLink has been the major fiber optic provider to the communities of Norwood and Telluride, but through a singular line. And there's a path that comes from the south, there's a path that comes from the north. The two don't actually connect. That singular connection means the community is at risk of losing connection if there's a cut in the lone line. We saw this happen just last year where a uh, Somebody was coming in to splice a section of new fiber optic cable over New Ure, and they showed up uh, later than they were expected and went ahead and did it anyway. And that took down not only the Telluride region, but several other communities in nearby counties uh, in complete inability to communicate. The aim of the project with the county and the Telluride Foundation has been to increase the number of fiber cables, therefore adding redundancy. In this case, connecting the two existing lines and adding a third. Basically to ensure that even if there's one or two cuts in different fiber cables, there's still connectivity for this area. Support has also come from the federal and state governments and through the nonprofit Region 10, Bordonia says. As part of the work, according to him, the county and foundation wanted to use fiber already installed on lines built by Tri-State Generation and Transmission. But to do that, they needed to get easement agreements from a little more than 50 landowners who have property the lines run over. Last month, Bordonia explains, the Telluride Foundation got the last of those easements signed. That, he says, is a really big deal. We had to record those easements. We had to show them to um, Tri-State and let them verify that they were done correctly um, before we could go to the next step, which is negotiating when we're going to uh, turn on that fiber connection. But, Bordonia adds, a big piece they still need is some specific equipment. And that equipment is unfortunately uh, a supply chain issue. So some folks might wonder, well, why didn't you order the equipment long ago? And it's because it's specific to the individual types of fiber. And until we knew that we were going to be able to use each of these, we couldn't take that next step of not only testing the fiber, but then figuring out what types of optical equipment we need to have on each of the ends to make it work. Bordonia estimates it will take another six to nine months to resolve those equipment needs. That means the benefits of this added fiber will probably be a reality for county residents sometime in 2023. Though, he stresses, this won't automatically improve everyone's internet. Because we know that there will be some service providers that continue to provide wireless service or other types of service. But he adds, the hope is this added fiber will also increase competition for broadband service, and that that added competition will lower prices. I'm hoping that we're going to see greater availability of uh, fiber optic connections, that we'll see a lower cost, and then obviously the redundancy is the biggest part. In our increasingly web-driven lives, more reliable internet would certainly be a welcome development. 
This Monday, Telluride local Susan Keyes will discuss her recently published book, Tandem Rowing, as part of the latest gathering of the Authors Uncovered series, put on by the Wilkinson Public Library and Between the Covers Bookstore. In anticipation of the event, KOTO is re-airing a story we did about Keyes and her book back in September 2021. Susan Keyes says the river trip was her husband Bill's idea. I wasn't planning to go. I had a full-time psychotherapy practice at the time, and I thought I'd just come visit and, you know, drop in and out. But I decided to stop, stop working and to join my husband, and it was a beautiful experience. They took the six-month river raft journey from Wyoming to the Sea of Cortez in 2002. Keyes describes it as the trip of a lifetime. Now, almost 20 years later, she's written about it in her new book, Tandem Rowing, which came out of writing she did on the journey. Both my husband and I kept journals on the trip, and every now and then we would read what each other had written. And he said to me more than once, I don't think we're on the same trip. (laughs) The book is Keyes' second. She's also the author of The Telluride Hiking Guide, and has lived in the area for 50 years with Bill, who also has his own list of Telluride accomplishments, including co-founding Mountain Film and establishing climbing routes on the Ophir Wall. Initially, Keyes wanted the book to be about how to stay together as a couple, but... I didn't want to be didactic, so uh, I I canned that idea. But uh, it is kind of a miracle that after the six months on a raft all by ourselves, uh, that we were still together and still are now. Perseverance in general, she says, was one of the key lessons of the experience. Even though this was not the trip of my dreams, it was not the trip that it was not a trip I even wanted to do in the first place. Uh, but I learned that I know how to finish things. I know how to stay. Now, Keys is in the midst of another journey. Several years ago, Bill was diagnosed with brain cancer. For the last five years, she says, he's been dying. We get prognoses that he has two months to live, and uh, he has outlived every prognosis. So uh, he still loves life. Keyes has become a full-time caretaker for him. She says it's been the most challenging part of their time together for her. Because his mental state is so delicate half of the time. He doesn't remember anything. He asked me the same question a hundred times. And um, I'm like, I've always been really good with kids. And I thought this would be okay, knowing he had brain cancer and would decline. I thought, no problem, I can handle it. But in this recent year, it's been a lot more challenging for me. But she also says Bill's illness was one of the reasons she decided to finish the book which she'd kept on the back burner for years. As he's dying, I wanted him to see what I had written. Bill's read the book, and she says he loved it. He can't remember anything, and even he can't even remember that he read it. But uh, as he read it, he was re-experiencing some of it and just enjoying what I experienced. Toward the end of our interview, Susan asks if I want to talk to Bill. And I say yes. He joins us outside. It's a bluebird morning. He brings along his breakfast, and I ask if he has anything he wants to share about the book. You know, I really don't. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. 
That's okay. Sorry. It's a, no, oh, yeah. it's a long time ago. It sounds like yeah. it was a wonderful trip, though. So it was a It was. It's a yeah. trip of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And with that, I take off, leaving Susan and Bill Keys together on their porch as the sun slowly makes its way across the sky from east to west. In the months since we first aired this story, Bill Keys passed away. According to the San Miguel County coroner, he died while holding Susan's hand. Susan Keyes will discuss her book, Tandem Rowing, at the Wilkinson Public Library, Monday, July 11th at 5.30 p.m. Imogene Pass is now open to the town of Tomboy, though there will be temporary delays Monday for bridge work and snow removal. Black Bear, Last Dollar, and Ofer Passes are also open for the summer. You know the story. There's a stepmother and a godmother and a prince and a shoe and a heroine who's about to learn a thing or two about upward mobility. This Saturday, the town of Mountain Village will show Cinderella for the weekly movie Under the Stars in Reflection Plaza. The movie starts at sunset around 8.30 p.m. And keep that popcorn popping. Next Saturday, we'll bring The Emperor's New Groove. July 23rd, it's Encanto. July 30th, How to Train Your Dragon. And closing out the summer on August 6th, The Goonies. More information about Movies Under the Stars is available at townofmountainvillage.com. Any bibliophile knows it can be a bit of a challenge to walk and read at the same time. It's doable, but no simple task. But walking and talking about books? Much easier. This Wednesday, the Wilkinson Public Library will host their latest adventure book club with a hike to the mine. Attendees will walk along the river trail to the Idorado Mine while discussing whatever book they're reading. The club will meet at the library on Wednesday, July 13th at 5 p.m. All ages are welcome. Registration is available for the Adventure Book Club at telluridelibrary.org. Water shortages are likely to intensify in Colorado as temperatures get warmer due to climate change. KUNC's Luke Runyon reports that is one finding in a recent update to the state's water plan. Cities, industries, and farmers will face significant shortfalls in their water supplies by the year 2050, according to the draft water plan. Russ Sands is with the Colorado Water Conservation Board. We're experiencing deep drought um, and aridity. These, These are not things that are in our control to change, but we can absolutely work together to mitigate the worst impacts. Just how intense those water shortages will be depends on how fast Colorado grows in population and how high temperatures impact mountain snowpack, reservoirs, and rivers. The updated draft builds on the first Colorado water plan passed in 2015. It's open for public comment until this fall. I'm Luke Runyon. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Saturday should be sunny with a high around 80 degrees. Saturday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a low in the mid-50s. Sunday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high in the mid-70s and a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. Sunday night should be partly cloudy with a low in the mid-50s and a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. This has been the news for Friday, July 8th. Thanks for listening. 
you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.